This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to visit with Paige Twenter, a brilliant journalist at Becker's Healthcare, who talks to us regularly about a few of the key stories that she's watching in healthcare. These are always quite short episodes that give us a take on, you know, a couple key things that are going on. Paige, let me tee it up and have you take it away. Is there one or two key stories that you're watching currently? Yeah, um, I would say the main two are some data we pulled from CMS about citations against hospitals over the last five years, some just really interesting trends. And then my second big piece of news, I guess, would be how the Ozempic boom is affecting hospital operations and hospital pharmacies. So which one is more enticing? Oh, my God. Tell us about the Ozempic boom and whether I could use it to lose weight to help my knees. No, I'm just kidding. But I know that's a a current story. But uh, tell us about, you know, it's a separate story, but I got to go get an MRI on one of my knees. And I was hoping the doctor, you know, I could lose 10 pounds, wishing he would just give me Ozempic. I could lose it and make it easier. But tell us about the impact of Ozempic on hospital operations and what you're seeing in hospital pharma. Yeah, of course. And also, it's um, funny. Everyone I tell about, you know, oh, I report, you know, on pharmacy news, I write a lot about Ozempic. They're like, oh my gosh, can you get me some? I'm like, no, I cannot. <laughs> um, I can get you information on it. So um, what I would share about it is, um, you know, for months and months, you know, there's been shortages, especially for um, patients with diabetes, and that's what Ozempic is approved for. Something that's interesting is hospital retail pharmacies and kind of, you know, clinical pharmacy operations aren't much affected by either the shortage or, you know, the huge jump or spike in demand for these GLP-1s. Something that is affecting pharmacy operations, though, is pharmacists who work in or on endocrinology teams. They're, you know, managing GLP-1s every day, including checking for side effects or just kind of managing those titration levels, which are hard to do whenever there's shortages um, of different solutions. And then something else that they're closely keeping an eye on and um, keeping track of is perioperative processes. So back in June, the anesthesiologist recommended that patients skip a dose um, just so there's you know not lingering food remnants um, in their stomachs, which, which can lead to regurgitation. So that's one thing that's affecting hospital pharmacies. And another thing is just hospitals own formularies and their employer-sponsored plans. So I was speaking with a Baptist uh, health system down in the South, and they were talking about how their pharmacy team writes out their own formularies, but they're kind of closely watching and kind of constantly adjusting the coverage plans um, because of the long-term cost of these drugs, which, you know, can cost up to a thousand or, or even more than a thousand dollars per month. So you know, they're seeing, you know, how, how free or um, kind of conservative do we need to be with what we're approving these drugs for? Is it cosmetic weight loss? Is it related to a condition? So it, it is a fascinating story and it must be true of all ages. Cause I, I was with a bunch of people closer to my age this week. And for those, you know, and, and people are a mix of what health they're in, how much they've put on weight, not put on weight and stuff like that. But there's not a person that's that's not a little bit overweight, that's not very interested in the long-term side effects of this. Should they try it? Should they not try it? What do they think? And my guess is because they've been using these drugs on diabetes patients for a long time, is my impression that they're probably pretty safe if you're 30 pounds overweight too as a way to try and lose weight. Uh, But your, your point on the formularies and the cost of these, everybody talks about that too. 
you know, the mm-hmm. thousand to twelve hundred a month versus like, oh my goodness, could they do it through their own self discipline better? Which of course anybody, you know, anybody who's struggled with trying to keep their weight where they want it knows it just anybody would everybody would like some kind of kickstart or some easier way to do it. It's so hard after you get to a certain point. But I take it that that conversation I'm having with people in their fifties is no different than people in their twenties and thirties are having as well. I, I take it everybody's sort of very interested in this. Yeah, and you know, weight loss is so complicated. You know, it's it's not just a quick fix with a pill or a quick fix with you know their own uh, patient's own kind of uh, diet or regimen. So, but one thing we would say is just these drugs are incredibly powerful and helpful for so 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 many people compared to you know historical weight loss treatments. Yeah, no, it's it's really it's really true, isn't it? I mean, it's you see, like even like Jenny Craigstock is getting killed, getting getting hurt. You know, I would make a joke like it's losing its ballast, but that's so corny and poor. But like the Jenny Craigstock is going down. Bariatric surgeons are slowing down some. It's really fascinating to see some of the other impacts on this as well. So that's one story. Ozempic and what's going on with that, and all of us feel that or think about that. Tell us about the other story that you're watching closely. Yeah, so uh, just this past week, uh, me and my team, we pulled data from CMS citations uh, since 2017. And I, you know, pulled back to there just to get kind of like a pre-COVID-19 pandemic view of, you know, most frequent uh, hospital citations, you know, least frequent, um, kind of what CMS was mainly kind of citing hospitals for. And I will point out to two really interesting trends that we're still doing more reporting on. So unfortunately, I just have information, but not an explainer yet. So 12 different citations decreased in frequency. So some of these included drug administration, infection control, uh, nurse supervision. So the frequency of these citations decreased from you know anywhere between four and five percent, um, you know, or two to three percent, down to you know less than 1% of citations that CMS gave during the COVID-19 pandemic and after um, to hospitals. And on the flip side, only two became more frequent in those years since up to 2023. So those two are supervision of contract staff. So, you know, that's not very surprising since travel nurses were in high demand during the pandemic. And then the other one, which we're definitely looking more into is there was a spike in citations for patient rights related to restraints or seclusion. So just to give you some numbers, between 2017 and 2019, about 2% of hospitals that were you know, surveyed during these years were cited for you know, patient rights issues with restraints or seclusion. This dropped to less than 0.8% in 2020, and then it has since steadily increased again to about 2%. So again, why unknown, but definitely something to keep in mind as a hospital administrator. No, fascinating. And it seems like, oh my goodness, hospitals are so under attack and working so hard to be the safety net for America and Excel that it's really a fascinating situation. In any event, Paige, great to talk to you about these subjects today. I mean, it's so interesting. We had an earlier conversation with one of your colleagues about the Department of Justice, the Federal Trade Commission, trying to take a tax on, on hospital mergers. And, and I see it as hospital mergers, even though there's always concern that maybe there'll be market power concerns. Similarly, like hospitals are working so hard to stay at operating room, operating margin positive, 
that the attacks on hospitals and health systems this way and other ways, I know there are some bad actors, so you've got to go after those, but the general attacks on hospitals and health systems seem so misguided by the federal government that it's incredible. But Paige, thank you for joining us, Dan, the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. It's always great to visit with you. I always learn something which I love. Thank you very much. Thank you, Scott. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks, to help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there.